going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops through drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Got another loss to talk about. This one is a moral victory for some. Because the Giants actually did not get blown out in this game. And there's a few positives to take away, but... A loss is a loss is a loss is a loss. And we have three more games left. We got Philly. We have um, Chicago, which is the picks game. It's the Giants Super Bowl of the year. That's a game they actually need to win, by the way. And then we have Washington in Week 18. So this season has been an interesting ride, to say the least, but... We have three more weeks to ride it out, and with baseball possibly not happening, I have to appreciate whether the Giants are a good or a bad product on the field. I have to appreciate it, because I'm a baseball fan, and I'm not an avid basketball fan yet to appreciate that 100%. But we'll talk about stats first, and then we'll go into the offense and the defense, but we all know one of the top subjects will be Jake Fromm. So, brace yourself for that. But in terms of stats, talk about the Dallas passing offense. Dak Prescott was 28 for 37, 217 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and sacked three times. Mike Lennon was 13 for 24 for 99 yards and three interceptions. Jake Fromm was 6 for 12, 82 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but was sacked once. In terms of the Dallas rushing game, it was okay. It wasn't great, but it also wasn't terrible. Tony Pollard had 12 carries for 74 yards in his first game back. Ezekiel Elliott had 16 carries for 52 yards and one touchdown. That's about 3.3 yards per carry. And then Dak Prescott had two rushes. For negative one yards, probably quarterback scrambles that failed. In terms of the New York Giants rushing game, it wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't the greatest thing in the world because the offensive line at times did not hold up. At times, the offensive line did hold up. With that being said, Devontae Booker had eight carries for 74 yards, and Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for 50 yards. Barkley had 3.3 yards per carry. Booker had 9.3 yards per carry. And Booker had a big 31-yard run. I believe it was on 4th and 1 or 4th and 2. And they got extra yardage off of that. But they would make the advantage their disadvantage again. Because Jaron Curse, I believe, it was DeMonte Casey. He grabbed him by the horse collar. So that's another 15 yards. Or at least half a distance to the goal. But... Giants got more yards from that, and guess what? Another penalty the next play, holding offense number 80. That's Kyle Rudolph. So that's been a microcosm of the Giants' offense, especially in the red zone this year. Pulling back, pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. So there's that. But the receiving game, Dalton Schultz had eight receptions for 67 yards and one touchdown. Logan Ryan cannot be covering tight ends. I don't understand why in any situation he should be. I know that Jaron Williams was playing the second corner spot, and I don't know who they were rotating in the slot. 
but there should be absolutely no situation where Logan Ryan should be covering a tight end because he's kind of washed. I'm not going to lie, uh, it's just my opinion. He's really slowed down this year, and it's not good when your team's not good. So, with that being said, CeeDee Lamb had six receptions for 50, for, uh, 50 yards, and I will remark on the fact that he had at least two drops, so that helped out the Giants' defense even more, and there was one player who was just wide open in the middle of the field, dropped it. So, the Dallas offense really wasn't that much in sync, and we'll talk about that on the defensive side of the ball as well. Jeremy Sprinkle had two receptions for 21 yards. Michael Gallup had three receptions for 32 yards. In terms of the Giants receiving game, no touchdowns, obviously, but Kenny Galladay was the leading receiver. Not in terms of catches, but in terms of yards, three receptions, 53 yards, had a long 36-yard catch, which was a contested catch opportunity thrown by Jake Fromm. Then Evan Ingram had four receptions for 33 yards. Saquon Barkley had four Receptions for 24 yards. Darius Slayton had two receptions for 23 yards. Colin Johnson had a reception that almost was a fumble, but they said he was down by contact. And Sterling Shepard had two catches for 15 yards. Kyle Rudolph had a catch for nine yards. Devontae Booker had two catches for eight yards. Talk about the Cowboys defense, the fumbles, the turnovers, all that stuff. So the Cowboys defense, Neville Gallimore and Leighton Vander Esch had one sack and a quarterback hit. That was at the end of the game. When the Giants were basically running the two-minute offense. Mike Lennon, I'm surprised, was not sacked. But Jake Fromm was sacked at the end of the game. But they were sending some blitzes, so I can't be surprised. And, you know, it's Jake Fromm's first NFL game. So I can't say, oh, Jake Fromm should have escaped from the pocket. The Cowboys had no film on him. Though at times, you know, yeah, the quarterback room did have film on the Cowboys. But it is what it is. Game was over. Giants lost. Demarcus Lawrence had a hell of a game. I don't have the pressures right now that he recorded. But he had a hell of a game. He was destroying Nate Solder. At least when he was working with Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez is terrible. Will Hernandez is terrible. He probably was worse than Nate Solder. Like, I can't count on one hand. Or I can count on one hand how many times Nate Solder screwed up. Even though he was only in for a portion of the first quarter and the second quarter. Because Matt Parrott actually came in. And we'll talk about that in terms of the offense. Because that was another unmitigated disaster. But Will Hernandez is just terrible. How many pressures he's given up from the inside. So Demarcus Lawrence had one forced fumble that was on Saquon Barkley towards halftime. And... Dallas had a field goal from there. Then after that, or I should say, you know, other than the forced fumble, two quarterback hits, one of them being a forced interception into the hands of Jordan Lewis. So there's that. Overall, I don't think the offensive line did terrible. I think they could have done better, but for Giants standards, they didn't do terrible once again. In terms of the Cowboys' total defense, I didn't really count the tackles but they had one sack and five quarterback hits which isn't bad coming from a Cowboys defense like that Micah Parsons didn't really have any impact Randy Gregory really didn't have any impact so it was Demarcus Lawrence and a few other guys and that's about it also for interceptions Jordan Lewis Trayvon Diggs and Malik Hooker had an interception each all coming from Mike Lennon in terms of Giants defense I'm surprised that this guy had a game against this team and in the past few years, the Giants have had trouble getting to the quarterback against Dallas. 
whether it be Dak Prescott or this guy or that guy, mostly Dak Prescott because the offensive line has been stellar for the Cowboys the last couple of years. But they had Ty Nasecki and Terrence Steele rotating a left tackle. The Giants still took advantage of that, whether it's Lyle Collins or whoever. I didn't get to really watch the film. I was watching the game live, and this is where I'm getting the takeaways from. But Lorenzo Carter, man, I mean, I've been critiquing him all season. I don't think that one game should change the trajectory of his career. But he had a game. Two sacks, two tackles for a loss, three quarterback hits and a forced fumble. I think that may be his best game as a pro. And I know Patrick Graham invested emotionally a lot into him because I know he was crying in the press conference or getting emotional or whatever. But he had a game. He had a game. And unfortunately, his effort really didn't count towards much because that drive after the fumble, Mike Lennon throws an interception in the end zone like he has some sort of an arm. Like Kenny Galladay was open. Like he was actually going to jump over Trayvon Diggs and catch the ball. So this is one game I will give to Lorenzo Carter that he had. He had a pretty damn good game. Quincy Roche and Aziz Ojolari, five, actually half a sack. I read his five sacks for some reason. I don't know why. Half a sack and a quarterback hit each. So they had another impressive game. Aziz Ojolari was making a couple of tackles in the run, running game. Um, good game from them. Good game from them. Aziz, I believe, has eight or eight and a half on the year. If he doesn't get to 10, I'm surprised. But with that being said, I'm not going to say, oh, he's got to get to 15. No, no. But for a number two pass rusher, he's definitely making a mold for himself. Quincy Roche is definitely making a mold for himself. I want to see more of Elderson Smith, though. I want to see him produce a little bit more, and I know... That's been on a limited basis because they've been playing Carter and Roche and Ojolari. I want to see him a little bit more. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Jalen Smith, in his Giants debut, he had four tackles. So, good game for him. I know there was that thing that came out that apparently he was celebrating with the Cowboys after the Giants lost and the Cowboys won. I don't know what that's about, but in terms of actually on-the-field stuff that matters, I thought he was the best linebacker out there. In terms of the inside. Tay Crowder had a couple of issues. Reggie Ragland needs to be taken out. I mean, seriously. Bernard Drew McKinney and Jalen Smith should be the starting linebackers next week. With Tay Crowder rotating in. Get Reggie Ragland off the field. The one thing I will say about this defense is Reggie Ragland is one of the weakest players. There was a couple of times where Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, mostly Tony Pollard though, just ran past him and he was missing tackles. And the one thing he's supposed to be good at is defending the run. And he wasn't good at that on Sunday. So there's that. In terms of the Giants defense, obviously the runs are called out of the forced fumble and Austin Johnson had the recovery. Talk about team stats before we go to the offense, the defense, and other stuff. The Cowboys had 23 first downs, the Giants had 15. In terms of passing first downs, the Giants had 10 and the Cowboys had 14. In terms of rushing first downs, the Cowboys had nine, the Giants had three, the Giants had two first downs for penalties. The Cowboys were eight for 14 on third down, the Giants were six for 14. In terms of fourth down efficiency, the Giants were one for three, the Cowboys didn't go for it all on fourth down. In terms of total plays, 
The Dallas Cowboys ran 70. The Giants ran 61 in terms of total yards. The Giants had 302 yards. And the Cowboys had 328 yards in terms of total drives. The Giants had 10. The Cowboys had 11. In terms of yards per play, the Giants had 5 yards per play, which is surprising. And the Dallas Cowboys had 4.7 yards per play. In terms of passing offense, we obviously know. In terms of red zone, the Giants were 0 for 2 in the red zone. And the Cowboys were 2 for 5. So play with that what you will. I don't know. In terms of penalties, the Cowboys had 6 for 45 yards. The Giants had 6 for 34 yards. In terms of turnovers, the Giants had 4. The Cowboys had 1 turnover. And in terms of time of possession... The Cowboys had three, th- uh, 33 minutes and 23 seconds. The Giants had 26 minutes and 37 seconds. So we'll talk about a little bit of time of possession when we get to the defense, but I'm not going to blame them a huge amount because the offense was supposed to score points, and they didn't score points. I forgot to mention in total the Giants had three sacks and seven quarterback hits on defense, but let's transition to the offense. I'm going to list all the takeaways. And then I'm going to go one by one. We'll talk about it. So Mike Glennon was awful from the start. Fromm played well in garbage time. Saquon Barkley was not Saquon other than the big screen play. I believe it was him or Booker. I think it was Booker, but I'm pretty sure it was Barkley. I might be wrong on that. But other than the nice catch that he had on fourth down and everybody was going after Glennon, Not really a great game for Barkley. And I'm not saying that's all his fault. But he had a couple of opportunities that were missed. The red zone. 30-yard line and beyond. Execution is still sour. The Kyle Rudolph holding penalty after the big run. And the horse collar tackle. And the Cowboys offsides. Then Sterling Shepard's false start. Devontae Booker looks good again. I mean, a lot of people criticize Dave Gettleman for the contract that he was signed to. He's been a solid signing. And if Barkley gets his head out of his ass a little bit and his team builds an O-line next year, you may be reconsidering what you're doing with Barkley. Now, I'm not going to say sign him to this max contract because even if he does have a good year next year, I don't think there's leverage for Barkley on the table other than if he has a huge year. But that could be a good one-two tandem in terms of the running game. Kenny Galladay was targeted via deep pass. Wow. Jake Fromm was the one who threw the D-pass. Not Mike Lennon, not Daniel Jones. Offensive line didn't do terrible. Hernandez and Solder struggled. Matt Parrott caused two false starts in one drive. Sterling Shepard tears his Achilles or his ACL. I usually get those mixed up and I don't know why. He didn't have a great game. Play calling was off at times especially when they started inside their own 8-yard line. We'll talk about that, but let's talk about the quarterback situation. And this is another mistake that goes on the coaching staff in terms of evaluating players. I don't care whether in Week 1 or Week 5, Week 7, Week 16, Week 15, whatever week, you have to evaluate players and you have to recognize the talents they have or they don't have. Coming into this game... Looking how he played, Jake Fromm should have started. I know that that probably would have been a burden on him because he supposedly didn't know 40% of the playbook. He knew about 60% or whatever. He still looked better than Mike Lennon. 
And I know there's a lot of people out there, oh, he's he's playing a prevent defense, and they're trying to be judge homers. I don't understand that philosophy. I don't understand the talking point of trying to defend Joe Judge when clearly you saw with your eyes that Jake Fromm was a better quarterback than Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon had 99 passing yards in three and a half quarters, and Jake Fromm had 82 in one drive. The Giants started, I believe, inside their own 10 on that drive. And then they ran maybe two plays, whatever the case may be. Jake Fromm looked good. Now, at times, he looked a little off target, whatever the case may be. But he over-exceeded expectations as a former fourth-string quarterback in Buffalo. And when we look at his play, we go back to Joe Judge. We go back to Jerry Shaplinsky. We go back to Freddie Kitchens. Why is this kid not in the game earlier? And it's not even the fact, oh, well, Glennon was off target, this, that, and the other thing. Glennon threw three interceptions. The first one, I don't blame him on because Will Hernandez does not know how to block. Interception number two, which was the one in the middle of the field that was intercepted by Malik Hooker, and he threw behind Sterling Shepard on what looked like a dagger, I think, or a go route. One of those routes. Cut up back throws it behind them it's intercepted so they don't pull the trigger there now i get it saquon fumbled towards the end of the half we all know that they scored three points off of that that's one of the issues saquon barkley needs to just fix i mean it's not an issue every game that he fumbles but the point is, he's not doing so many other things correctly that we have to harp on these small little issues that impact his game in a big way. Going back to his third interception, the Giants are gifted. I believe they're inside the 35-yard line, inside the 30 maybe. They get a gift. Lorenzo Carter, someone who has not contributed all season, and he's been healthy for, I would say, 60%, 70%, smacks the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands, and it's not like, oh, he went for the sack and Dak just loses it. No, he smacked it. He smacked it. He made sure, let me get this ball out, because I don't know when the offense is going to score. So he did that. Austin Johnson recovers. I believe it was the first play of that drive. Mike Lennon, boop, interception. Now they take him out. And the Cowboys were grinding and grinding and grinding that clock until the Giants got it back with about somewhere near two minutes to go. And Jake Fromm looks good. Now, you can make the point that he was playing a little bit of a prevent defense. But did he not look better than Glennon? I know people are going to come out and say, oh, well, the Chargers, they played prevent, and he had two touchdowns. At this point in the game, who are you Who are you going to evaluate? A quarterback that's been in this league for 10 years and obviously is not deserving of an NFL quarterback job anywhere, let alone being a quarterback coach, an offensive quality control coach, anywhere or someone who's young they're in their second year could be something decent in the future 
a backup, someone that can compete for camp next year. What are you going to answer to that? Because honestly, right now, I'll take Jake Fromm. And don't give me this bullshit. Oh, well, you know, Mike Lennon gives the Giants the best chance to win. Bullshit. Bullshit. Jake Fromm gives the Giants the best chance to win at this point. And it's pretty evident that Daniel Jones is not coming back this year. Whether they have a trade-in for him, you know, preparing him for that, saving his draft stock, doing whatever, saving him from the offensive line, whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. He's not coming back. You might as well start Jake Fromm the rest of the season. And the fact that they didn't consider it until now is a little bit scary. Because Mike Lennon has what? Two touchdowns, three touchdowns total, and five, six, seven turnovers in three games? Three and a half, if you will. The Cowboys game familiar this season? Which makes me go to something else in terms of the offensive line. We'll talk about it, but we'll talk about this specific talking point. So Jake Fromm looked good knowing 60% of the playbook. Tell me why Isaiah Wilson is not ready. Will Hernandez is a ball of mental errors. He probably is the New York Giants version of Gary Sanchez. He cannot block He can't do shit for his life. And he gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse every year. Why are we keeping him out here when he's not coming back next year? It's pretty evident. I don't know why the Giants would ever re-sign him. The next GM is probably not going to re-sign him. So he's probably going to have some backup job for the Jaguars or something. Why are we keeping him in? When he's not a long-term answer, when you can evaluate Isaiah Wilson, see what he has, does he have trouble with this, get some film on the guy. And then if you don't want to continue with the project, you cut him in the offseason, you do whatever you need to do. It's the same or similar argument as to the Glennon Fromm one. And a lot of beat reporters, especially Dan Duggan this week, he came out and said Isaiah Wilson was laboring, getting into his stance. So he did not look comfortable, apparently. I'm going to take it as that. Throw him out there. Because Isaiah Wilson probably would have more effort knowing he's getting an actual second chance at football than Will Hernandez, who... Probably knows that, oh, I'm a former second-round pick. I'm going to go be a backup somewhere or a quality starter for some trash team. That argument does not make sense to me. And that argument should be thrown at the judge homers. Because I don't understand why these guys are not in the game. And I want to talk about something else. I'm going to go out of chronological order for this. And a lot of people have been... Ripping Matt Parrott the last two weeks because he's gotten more and more and more playing time. Here's what I want to say to that. I'm not going to sit here and excuse the fact that Matt Parrott had two false starts in one drive. And one of those false starts basically turned a fourth down possible conversion. Now, there was no play run, obviously, because it was a false start. And it was before the snap 
but he turned an opportunity to convert on the fourth down in their own territory because they were losing to a punt situation towards the end of the game. Obviously, that's his fault. You know what's not his fault? That a lot of these people with talking points come out as, and I've been ringing the bell of Matt Paird for the last few weeks. I have come out and said he's not the right tackle of the future. He's a backup tackle that's probably his ceiling right now. If you got him with the number ones in practice, and if you got him with the number ones in the game more, maybe he would be a better player. And he was generally, outside of the penalties, more consistent than Nate Solder. Which goes back to another argument. Going back to the Fromm Glennon argument. Going back to the Wilson Hernandez argument. This guy is young. This guy, you don't have much film on at the right tackle position. Start him. Why not? What do you have to lose? Just like the same thing can be said for Danny Shelton. And he had two good plays in the Dallas game. Why not start or rotate in David Moa over Danny Shelton when David Moa is younger? And yes, he's smaller, but he can move around a little bit more. Danny Shelton can't. He's a 350-pound bag of raw cookie dough on an NFL defensive line. Saying the truth. So, for the people that want Judge to be kept, and it's not a lot of true terrible people, and I hate trying to soften the blow like that, because there's a lot of people on Giants Twitter and Giants YouTube that want Judge back, but they're truly nice people. They're not people that I would constantly bash with a baseball bat. And I'm not saying I would threaten anybody. But the pe- some people that want Judge to come back. They're not negative people. They're not bad people. They're n- people that are likable. But I'm just saying. Consider the fact. That Danny Shelton's still playing. Nate Solder's still playing. Will Hernandez is still playing. And Mike Lennon was still playing up to a point. And you know what fans. I would not be surprised if Mike Lennon's the starter in Philadelphia. I wouldn't be surprised. Going up against Jalen Hurts, I would not be surprised if Mike Lennon is the starter. Because Joe Judge could freaking come out and say, oh, well, Mike Lennon, you know, he gives us the best chance to win. Go look at the tape, Joe. With that being said, we talked about the offensive line. Let's talk about the other issues on this team in terms of offense talk about the Sterling Shepard issue let's talk about the play calling at times and one of the things really really bothered me in terms of play calling and let's talk about the red zone execution and I'll also talk about something that is an unpopular opinion but I've come to this point where I have to say it because well it's the truth Saquon Barkley not Saquon Barkley then the other big screenplay and the nice catch I mean Saquon sometimes just needs to get his head out of his ass. I think we covered that a little bit here. You know, some games he's good, some games he's bad. It's a mental mess for Barkley. And I appreciate somewhat the fact that he was visibly frustrated. He took his helmet off on that false start penalty and he was jumping up and down like, what the fuck? But you have to do your part. 
And I understand the offensive line a lot of times for Barkley was not blowing holes, but for Booker, they were blowing holes, and Booker was going down the field, and he had the big 31-yard carry, stuff like that. But he needs to get his head out of his ass. Because at this point, he's a first-round bust. And whether you like the pick at the time or not, you have to come back to the point and you have to come back to earth and say, well, that wasn't the right pick at the time. And even if it wasn't the right pick at the time, he's not a good player now. Even if he would be a good player this year, the pick wasn't right at the time because there would be a lot of surrounding issues. The offensive line would still be an issue. The defense at the beginning of the year would still be an issue. So there's a lot of ways you can go about it stuff like that in terms of the play calling now this offense has gotten a little bit worse under Freddie Kitchens and I can name two reasons why in my personal opinion now I was a guy that wanted Jason Garrett gone as much as the next guy but I think his old school play calling not the air core yell shit but the flats the comebacks the other stuff that he was trying to do the last two years, it really hid player execution and the player execution being that it's not like it was good. It's bad. His play calling system that was by all means terrible hid bad player execution. Because guess what? You can look at the philosophical standpoint and say, well, you know, Freddie Kitchens has a lot of good play calls. But those good play calls are often not remarked upon because the players don't execute it and you don't see it in real time. You actually have to go back on the film breakdowns and stuff and say, oh, well, you know, good play call, but the offense didn't execute it. There was times, and there's been times this year where the offense has not moved the ball, but there's been good play calls. Like week one, I was iffy on Jason Garrett that week, but there was a couple of plays that were good, and then they, whoop, right out of the red zone, they couldn't score, they couldn't do whatever, other than the one touchdown by Shepard and the garbage time touchdown by Daniel Jones. So when I talk about red zone execution, and when I talk about play calling, I'll talk about play calling in just a second. 30-yard line and beyond seems to be when the Giants struggle, even at the 20, which is the start of the red zone. So take that Devontae Booker run, 31 yards plus the 15-yard penalty or whatever it was. The next play, holding, offense number 80, Kyle Rudolph. And then that kills the drive, so the Giants have to convert a field goal. And then... The Cowboys, I think it was towards the end of the game, actually, when Jake Fromm was in, because I know he was targeting Shepard on that drive that the Giants were going down the field, and obviously they didn't convert in the final two minutes. But I remember Jake Fromm specifically talking to Sterling Shepard after the penalty. Either Demarcus Lawrence or Dorrance Armstrong. I think it was Demarcus Lawrence stepped off sides, and the official stopped the place. It was offside defense, first and five. Sterling Shepard, false start, offense, number three. Moves it back so it's first and ten. How much of a momentum killer is that? Big one. 
especially when your offense does not execute in the red zone or any side of the field. Now, one thing I was specifically pissed off about in terms of Freddie Kitchen's play calling, I did like how they stuck to the running game at points because you were not going to win the game with Mike Glennon as the sole head of the offense, as the sole focus of the offense. You were not going to do that. But on one drive, where there was about 10 minutes left to go in the second quarter, they ran it up the middle for one yard. Malik Hooker, Neville Gallimore made the tackle. So they ran it up the middle with Barkley for one yard. Then, the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn knowing, okay, they're trying to establish the run. Let's try to stop it here. And they've already done it once. So let's try to stop them. One yard gain the first play with Barkley, negative three yards with Devontae Booker. And Devontae Booker's not a running back like Barkley where he's going to dance, he's going to try to find some holes. No, he was trapped in the backfield. So if it doesn't work the first time, think of something creative so the next time you can at least get three, four, five yard gain and set yourself up for third and medium. And then third and 12, pass to Booker, check down probably for four yards and that was the end and they ended up punting so that's my takeaways on the offense bad play calling at certain times player execution horrible like usual jake from playing better in garbage time than mike lennon overall saquon not being saquon in terms of sterling shepherd horrible loss i feel for the guy even though i've never had as many injuries as him but with all due respect to Shep, I hope he gets better. But I think he needs to consider retirement because way too many injuries in his career. And I don't think the Giants, if he does continue to play, I don't think the Giants should go ahead and keep him. Because if you rely on him to be a security blanket or this thing or that thing or whatever, he's going to constantly disappoint because he gets injured a lot. So... This was his last game in a New York Giants uniform. That's the unfortunate part about it. Shep, good player on the field, good teammate, but way too many injuries. Way too many injuries. So about the defense. I don't think the defense did bad. Now, there were times where, yes, Dak Prescott should have thrown on target to this guy or CeeDee Lamb should have caught a ball instead of dropping it. Sure. But the defense took advantage of those mistakes and didn't let their advantage be the disadvantage like the Giants offense does every single game. Lorenzo Carter came to life. Jalen Smith was probably the best linebacker on the field. Aziz Ojolari and Quincy Roche, they came alive. That's a good rotational tandem for the future when the Giants and if the Giants get a number one edge rusher. Because despite getting seven hits on the quarterback couple of pressures and stuff like that having a dominant number one edge rusher that's going to beat somebody off the snap is always good and helps out your defense and we noticed a couple of times this year with the defense specifically that having that number one dominant edge rusher is definitely a need going into the future whether it's next year getting Karloftis or Hutchinson or Thibodeau or whatever the case may be, they need a number one edge rusher. But also, once again, the offense needs to be tended to because year after year after year making these so-called investments, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But the defense came to life, 
And let's be honest, Dak Prescott did not look that good. He did not. The running game wasn't too great for the Cowboys. This is an offense that has been struggling the last couple weeks. Dak Prescott, yes, he didn't throw an interception, but he did turn the ball over once. He threw one touchdown, about five, four yards per throw. That's not great at all. So there's that. And when you consider that this is one of the top offenses, but yes, they've been struggling, no slot corner, no cornerback too. Jaron Williams, I barely saw him at times because he was not being targeted either or he was just locking down the receiver, doing whatever. He looked good in the soft zone, whatever coverage Patrick Graham was pulling out of his ass against his Cowboys team. So you could take a look and say, oh, well, you know, Dak Prescott didn't look that good. Blah. You make your excuses, whatever. But it's a bigger applause to this Giants defense because they did not have their slot corner or their second cornerback. Hopefully we get that back this week against the Eagles and we can play a little bit stronger at times and we can play a little bit more aggressive. But with that being said, the defense did a good job. Leonard Williams looked active. He was making a couple of tackles in the running game despite the elbow injury. So I can't say that Leonard Williams, oh, he, you know, he was missing. You know, I didn't see him, whatever. Dexter Lawrence had a QB hit. I don't know why they keep placing him on the defensive end rather than the interior where he could probably get more pressure. But that's Patrick Graham's doing. That's Sean Spencer's doing. That's anyone else's doing but my own. Any other takeaways? Giants rushing defense was all right. Yeah, not too bad, not too good. And Dak Prescott didn't look that good. I think that's pretty much the takeaways of the defense. So... You know, people say, oh, well, you know, the Cowboys, they didn't really want to be aggressive because they knew the Giants couldn't score points. Well, they probably knew that in week five, especially down the stretch of the game where they were still blitzing, they were still trying to score points, they were still passing. So they wanted to rub it in our faces then. It's not like the Giants had some great home crowd. I mean, the seats were empty, Dallas took over, and home field advantage, basically, because... Giants really don't have home field advantage, so in this case, Dallas gets home field advantage with all the Jersey Cowboy fans and the New York Cowboy fans. So they had a lot of advantages, so it's really inept, and it's really weird to make the excuse, oh, they didn't want to do much of anything because they knew the Giants couldn't score points. That's a really weird strategy, if that's what they did. But you have to give credits to this defense because they didn't have a slot corner, they didn't have a corner two. And... This is a high-powered offense on a good day. Final thoughts. Patrick Graham's bend-but-don't-break defense played well versus Dak and the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, you could talk about all this, that, and the other thing, but Lorenzo Carter had two sacks. Aziz and Quincy Roche split a sack. Aziz was making some tackles in the running game along with Leonard Williams. There was a couple other nice plays. Jalen Smith looked good in a Giants uniform. So you can't not credit the defense. The defense did a good job. I ragged on them a lot last week. They deserve their creds this week because the offense didn't score points, and they continue not to score points. I believe they have 11.8 points per game within the last three games, which is last in the NFL. 
I might have gotten the .8, .6, whatever wrong, but they're last in the NFL the last three games in terms of points scored, in terms of the offense, so that has to tell you a lot. The Giants didn't let Micah Parsons destroy the game. Instead, they beat themselves, and Demarcus Lawrence was a big part of that. I'm surprised that Micah Parsons really didn't destroy the game. I'm honestly shocked because he's been a player all year that's been wrecking games and getting interceptions and stuff like that. Actually, no, he doesn't have any interceptions, but he's been forcing turnovers. He's been getting sacks. I'm surprised he really didn't have an impact on this game, which seems to be the weird thing for the Giants because other than the last Rams game, Aaron Donald against the Giants really doesn't have much success. So, But they did beat themselves in the red zone, and Demarcus Lawrence was a big part of that because a lot of the hatred for the New York Giants that Demarcus Lawrence has, he couldn't express it in Week 5 because he was out with an injury. So he got to express it here and made a hell of an impact for the Cowboys. Jason Garrett's play calling was bad, but it hit horrible player execution. That's what it is. That's what it is. I mean, even the biggest Jason Garrett hater out there has to admit that his play calling hit horrible execution because we blamed the play calling. And the play calling was bad. And the routes were terrible and all this other stuff. But the offensive execution, week after week after week after week, gets worse or stays the same. And neither is a good thing. Jake Fromm looks good for a quarterback three. I agree. I agree. Obviously, I wrote that down, so I have to agree with it. But Jake Fromm looks good for a quarterback three. And if he continues to play the way he played against Dallas, and if they start him this week, it will likely be a full game. So we'll see what happens there. I don't have my expectations too high for Jake Fromm. But if there's something to look at, it's him. It's a couple other guys on this roster. But if there's something there with Jake Fromm, you could take him into next year, have him compete in camp. Put them on the practice squad. Do what you need to do. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Boys in the Big Apple will be tonight. Unless any changes, I probably at this point would have updated you. But it's kind of a weird schedule going into the holidays. Who's working, who's not, who's doing this, who's not. I don't want to compete with too many content creators at the same time. Because I do want you guys to join in do whatever. With that being said, guys, peace out. See you later. Stay cool.